Hey y'all, today we're going to be talking about sexual citizenship, sex education in America, and we're going to be empowering and elevating the voices around sex to reclaim sexual citizenship. So the definition of sexual citizenship is, so the definition of sexual citizenship is to denotate the acknowledgement of one's own right to sexual determination and importantly recognize the equivalent right in others. That finding sexual citizenship in yourself and also import, or, um, recognizing it in others is really just about finding your own like right to your own body and kind of going with that and figuring out what you like and what you don't like and that I think the most important part is that you have the right to do that and you have a say in what happens and that you have the empowerment to be able to talk about these things with others and not feel shameful or not feel um, that you're doing too much or something like that. Um, it's just really about being in control of your own body and what happens to it. Okay, um, going off of what Dana said, I think it's very important when we're talking about sexual citizenship to remember that it's something that we all have. You know, it's not something that we're specifically given at birth. It's something that's culturally and like socially constructed. So we all have this right to reclaim ourselves and our body and our desires and what we really want to gain out of sex in general. So I think um, just, you know, putting an emphasis on what Dana said, it's really just more about being able to have a right to your own body and to be able to really talk about sex without it feeling like a taboo, which is something that, um, you know, we might get into later. Yeah, Dana and Sasha really did a great job defining what sexual citizenship means. Um, and I just want to also reemphasize what they both said about um, really owning your body and, and staking that claim and really, you know, respecting your body and, and and respecting people's preferences and ultimately just, you know, knowing that there's so many different reasons why people have sex and sex is such a fluid thing that, um, you know, it's it's something that like, really should it doesn't really determine anything if that makes sense like you should have a right to your own body you know really respect other people's sexual preferences and you know just you know recognize you know that other people also have this right to their bodies and and have a right to sexual citizenship in general it's kind of like one of those terms that that is kind of hard to explain, but once you start to get the understanding of, of the respectful nature of it and, and the right to your body, ultimately it starts to like click. But um, like me personally with um, sexual citizenship and I feel like with sexual citizenship, it's really fostered institutionally and culturally. Me personally, as a woman who identifies as you know Latinx, I identify as a Latina. Um, there's kind of like this huge stereotype about us being very promiscuous, being very sexual beings, um, being very, you know, like hot and spicy when really like, you know, this being such a large stereotype is a largely false because we're individuals like any other community, but also like, like from my personal experience, it's fostered culturally, like even amongst like even amongst some members of the Latinx community, they, they consider themselves to be like sexual beings, but also like it's not ingrained to a point where like these conversations about sex are being fostered within families. Like 
this like this stereotype about the Latinx community being very like promiscuous and very sexual and everything like that is something that is even you know talked about within the Latinx community, but it's not something that it's entirely ingrained. Because if we were all sexual beings and we were all embracing of that fact, then we would be able to have these conversations about sex and we would be able to be fully educated when it comes to to sex and intercourse and all the things that um, kind of encompass those realms. And ultimately, it just boils down to like the sex education in America and in, in other countries. And ultimately, you know, Sex is such a taboo thing that, like, it doesn't, for some reason, people think that it's taboo and it's rude, and they don't talk to their children about it. It is not entirely, you know, fostered in the classroom. It is not, well, people are not generally well-educated when it comes to sex education, even though there has been a slight effort in in increasing the, in, I'm sorry, in decreasing the age in which we talk to children about sex, because now I believe that it's sixth grade that students receive actual like quote-unquote sex education but really there's there's so many flaws within the the uh, education curriculum when it comes to sex education and ultimately it just boils down to you know sex being labeled as taboo and rude and and it being something that is so like like oops to talk about like that is so like how would I describe this Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I feel like um, just through growing up um, and like with your family, not even before you get to have a class or any sort of um, talk in school about sex education is it's just like, I don't know, when I was a kid, if there was any sort of sex scene or like anyone kissing, my parents would be like, oh, don't look, whatever. Like this is, I mean, I, I guess if you're a kid, that kind of makes sense, but it's kind of like a behind closed doors type of situation, if that makes sense. And it's really treated like that in a lot of different ways. Um, For me, I think the whole like, you know, stigma being of sex being taboo started for me, even when um, I first had the period talk in fifth grade, you know, when they show you videos of your body changing and, you know, bleeding, they make it sound like this horrible thing that you're going to start to feel things. And I think that's really where, like, you know, when people say, like, this taboo is really institutionalized, I think that's where it started for me because they made periods sound like the worst thing in the world and, like, you were becoming this, you know, grown woman. And I don't know, like, I just feel like that adds on to the whole, like, sex ed in America thing, like, you know, being in a sex ed class in high school, it was kind of a joke because they didn't really teach you anything that you didn't already know. Like, you know, um, basically like what Dana said, they pushed, um, what's that word? Um, not having sex. They pushed uh, like abstinence instead of more so supporting us and knowing that sex is a natural thing that we're going to have as humans, as everyone. And so rather than give us the necessary resources that we need to know what safe sex looks like and not even just safe sex, we're talking about what to gain from sex. And I think that's really what this book focuses on a lot is what you can gain from sex. And so that was never a conversation that took place in sex ed. You know, it was always about don't get pregnant and don't get an STD. And so I think that's what really like scares people 
is like just getting pregnant in general. But I think that the focus has been the same for years and years and years. And I think that, you know, we need to start shifting that focus. And actually, instead of having teachers that are like gym teachers trying to teach sex ed, they should really have professionals that really teach you sex ed, that that's something that they specialize in because it's not something that you can just throw some facts together and, you know, teach somebody. You actually have to go in deeper than that. And, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about is really the exclusion of certain groups when it comes to sex ed. And I think that's also something that's really institutionalized. We always have this conversation about, um, what is it called? Um, Heterosexual. We always have this conversation about heterosexual couples, but we never really dig into um, the LGBTQ community. You guys know what I mean? Like it was never something that was talked about during sex ed, at least from my experience. Yeah, there's a huge stigma. That's what it is. That's the word that we were looking for earlier. There's a huge stigma when it comes to sex. And it's like, at, at least most people in their lifetime have sex. And it's something that, you know, is necessary for, well, not necessary, like for traditional procreation. It's something that's necessary. And it's something that, you know, people have been doing since the beginning of, of existence. And it's so weird that something that is so crucial to, to like, you know, reproduction, traditional reproduction, um, it's something that's so, too, so taboo and like stigmatized to talk about, you know? Um, I was just going to say that in my sex ed classes in, I want to say middle school and in high school, both really focused around anatomy and like what puberty, I guess, looks like and how your body changes, um, specifically for just like males and females. And then all of the girls went to one classroom and all of the boys went to another classroom and we all learned about respectively I suppose our bodies um in a kind of isolated way and I feel like that was honestly the most of the extent of it and I feel like that is a really harmful way to teach people about like sex and sexuality because then I mean honestly I think it's important to learn about like everybody's bodies if you're going to be teaching on anatomy and things like that um but then it was just like a very like gender binary approach to it and we really only learned about anatomy and luckily my school did teach a little bit about um having safe relationships and they talked a little bit about relationship violence and like um other things like that so i feel a little luckier than some people because I feel like that was a little extra bit that we got but we never ever talked about like LGBTQ communities and like what sex might look like for them and like how those folks can be safe and still like enjoy themselves things like that and it was really just how to put on a condom and the anatomy of your own body and I feel like that is just like a really limiting approach to learning about sex and sexuality. And it makes me like frustrated because as a young person, I was only learning about heterosexual sex and that completely cut out a whole portion of something that I suppose was like available to me, I guess I would say, if that makes sense. 
Um, and it was really, I want to say like erasing the experience of so many people who I was in class with and like even of myself, like I just didn't see the representation of any sort of LGBT person in these spaces and in these conversations. So I feel like that was really a disservice to the students to not even touch on that possibility. Oh, 100%. It's funny that um, Sasha mentioned that. I actually had a gym teacher, my gym teacher in, I believe, sixth or seventh grade, um, who taught me sex ed. And it was the most awkward thing. Uh, he had a he had like a great intro into talking about sex, but ultimately, um, you know, like like Dana said, it was all heteronormative. Like it was all um, just sex between like a woman who identifies as a woman and a man who identifies as a man, and naturally, you know, born and having you know like female and male anatomy, and it didn't have like my sex education as a child did not include any type of a variation from like you know heterosexual sex and it was very straightforward like he focused more on talking about like anatomy and and um, more condoms rather than like emphasizing the fact that like you know we're heading most people lose their virginities before they turn 18 so um while technically that is illegal he did not focus on the fact that like hey you guys are entering a point in your life where you're going to be you know developing you're going to have sexual urges and he kind of um talked about it like it was like a foreign thing like it was something that you know that we weren't going to experience in life and it was very odd um, and we didn't get the traditional, like, Hey, this is how you put on a condom or this is a condom. And, um, it was just very like foreign. Like it was just kind of like, he was afraid to talk about it a little bit, like talk about sex. And I feel like if we would take a more inclusive approach to all people, and if we would take an approach that, um, kind of encourages safe sex rather than abstinence, there would be there would be so many less like problems. Like if you would just teach someone like, Hey, you know what? Sex is a normal thing. Sex is something that most people do, you know, um, it, throughout their lifespan. And this is how you're safe with it. If you want to choose to have sex, you know, this is how you do it safely. If you want to choose not to have sex, that's okay too. I feel like if we were, if like the nation and just the world in general were to take a inclusive approach, were to take an understanding approach and not make any judgments, over anyone we would we would honestly i feel like our std testing i mean our like the number of stds would go down um we would see uh, a decrease in teen pregnancies not that anything is wrong with them but you know unwa- a decrease in unwanted pregnancies and ultimately i feel like it would it would help members of the lgbtq plus community feel more inclusive because generally like if thinking about it as um you know, someone who is an advocate of, of the LGBTQI plus community, if we go into a sex education class and you already know, you know, hey, you know, I'm a woman who likes women or I'm a male who likes males or I'm a person who loves all people, like going into a sex education class and not seeing yourself represented will make you feel suppressed. I know because when I walk into um, history courses or when I walk into something like world history and I see that I am not represented or I walk into a sex education class as a woman who identifies as bisexual, like, and not being well represented um, and not being taught like sex education for what 
I as like what I identify as is just it's very it's very suppressing it's very disrespectful and ultimately I feel like it could be a segue into normalizing um you know kind of having those conversations having those conversations with people that we trust having those conversations as a community um one thing that I wanted to touch on I'm not sure how you guys feel about this but um one thing that growing up I have come to realize is that when people do contract STDs or STIs, it's seen as something so like dirty, so, you know, awful that you barely want to tell your friends. And I'm really trying to think about why, you know, because they say that one in three people will contract an STD in their lifetime. And so, you know, as much as we can push safe sex, a lot of the times it can either not be our fault or, you know, um, situations just happen. And, you know, a lot of um, STDs are curable. And even the ones, for example, HIV, you can go virtually undetected with, um, you know, medication nowadays. So I just, it's so crazy to me that, you know, when somebody does get an STD, it seems so like, like, oh my God, you got an STD. But I, I really want like, I really wonder, you know, what a world would look like if we could just openly talk about, you know, oh, yeah, I got an STD and, you know, just erase this like taboo of not speaking on if I got an STD or, you know, if, in case you do get an STD, here's how to go about it or don't feel bad and don't shame people about getting an STD because it's so common. You know, it's just like getting sick. You just get sick, basically. So I'm not sure how you guys feel about that, like growing up, but definitely I feel like people are less likely to speak on like their STD experiences because of this like stigma that, you know, like you're a dirty person if you get an STD when you're really not. Going off of what you were saying about like if you were to have an STD that you're a dirty person, I feel like there's like the stigma, like you said, where like you're doing something wrong if you get an STD or you're a bad person or like for some reason this falls back on your own personhood and I feel like STD like it can happen to anybody you know like if you're having sex that that possibility is always there and honestly it makes me think about the coronavirus a little bit because anybody can get it you know like nobody's really safe from that and there are things that you can take and precautions that you can use so that doesn't happen but you know it's not always an option or it's not always there for you so like it really can happen to anybody and I feel like it's not productive to shame people who do end up contracting an STD. 100%. I honestly couldn't agree more. And actually talking about my personal experience, the taboo and and the like generalization when it comes to like a person getting an STD and other people knowing about it is insane. My first experience like learning about STDs was I believe in the DARE program. And the DARE program, mind you, is about drugs. It's about, you know, drug prevention and everything. But some way, somehow, we got into the topic about how, um, like, using drugs amongst, you know, in, like, a group 
can can help spread STDs. And they came in and they brought a whole bunch of pictures of like herpes and STDs. And they basically scared the entire classroom. And we're like, yeah, if you get this STD, you start bleeding and you can contain it and you would never want it. And it's like, hey, like anybody who has sex can contract this, you know, this sickness. And ultimately, if it can happen to you and it could happen to me and it could happen to anybody else, why are we why are we talking about it like it's something that is out of this world? Why are we talking about it like it's a cold or it's a flu or it's something that, you know, is as normalized as other sicknesses? And it's insane that, you know, STDs have been around for as long as they have and and there's still such a huge stigma when it comes to them. And there's also like a huge stigma to um, go in and ask for like an STD screening and um, they aren't easily accessible for everyone either. Like if you go to a clinic um, and you don't have insurance, they are pretty pricey. Although you could go to like a local Planned Parenthood who would um, help you with like, help you manage those costs nowadays. But ultimately even Planned Parenthoods, as great as their facilities are, you know, there's only, you know, a certain amount of them, you know, across the nation. And it's so unfortunate now that we have like, you know, people trying to defund Planned Parenthoods and, and which is, you know, a whole other thing on its own. But it's, it's such a scary thing when thinking about like, you know, the stigma around STD testing and, you know, the government wanting to defund and, and dismantle, you know, facilities who are trying to normalize, you know, screenings and and general health of people like it's crazy how sex and scis and and everything that you know individuals experience that are like human are so insanely stigmatized it's it's mind-blowing to me i love that you like brought up your experience with being i guess in the dare program and they brought in pictures i think that's wild like how is that not obvious to them i mean maybe this is their whole goal but like that is legitimately like a scare tactic and I feel like to use that to I guess scare people straight is like harmful and honestly potentially a little traumatic to see that just you know you're going about your day and you go in this little class and you see these pictures I feel like that's definitely not the best way to go about it and I feel like that's honestly I feel like that's honestly a tactic that a lot of sex education uses. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most of us have probably seen Mean Girls. Um, and in when they talk about like sex education for like a second, I think their gym teacher says like, don't have sex, you'll get pregnant and die. And I feel like that's a really common experience that people have around sex education. And it doesn't have to and shouldn't be like that. Um, so like I said, like it doesn't have to be that way sex doesn't have to be taught as a scary thing and it's not scary um i feel like if we were to reframe our sexual education to be more comprehensive and honestly i would say start teaching sex education younger than even like middle school or high school and just i mean obviously age appropriate but i think it's important to kind of just bring this up as a kid um because we do have questions. I know, like, it's a very curious subject. And if we just start these conversations whenever they crop up, like, if your child has a question or something, like, to give them information that is age appropriate is so important, because I feel like 
if we just reframe the conversation around sex from being this taboo, this scary, this like foreign, like you said, Natalia, idea that I will all have a better understanding and a better approach towards sex. Honestly, I feel like, um, at least me personally, thinking about myself in the future as a parent, I would like to talk to my child about sex before they go into, you know, a health course where they go into talking about it, because I feel like it is the taboo and, and the stigma surrounding sex is institutionalized, like Sasha said, and ultimately to make effective change we would just need to change the whole curriculum in general. And I feel like if we were to target like this taboo and this stigma within like our families and break that generational curse, then ultimately um, that could lead to like effective change as a whole, you know, kind of talking to, you know, my child or talking to, um, yeah, just talking to my child about it and saying like, Hey, you know, you're getting to an age where you're developing, you're going to start feeling, um, you're going to start, you know, getting sexual urges and feeling things and just know that that's 100% completely human and that's okay. And even if, you know, you have these feelings and you don't like them or it's not something that, you know, you want to, you know, look into or experience, that's completely okay. And the choice is yours as a as an individual and even as a child who's developing to grow into an adult, these feelings are normal. And whether you want to feed into them or not is completely fine and you know, if you want to have sex, this is how you, this is how, you know, you're safe by doing X, Y, and Z, you know, um, and just pushing for general acceptance. I feel like if we talk about it, like it's something normal, like it's, if it's a flu or if we talk about something, like if we talk about it, like, um, with some sense of normalcy, it can go such a longer way because I feel like sometimes, you know, going into the topic of talking about sex it's just like oh this is what you do a plus b equals c and that's sex and it's really not like that sex is so fluid and it looks different for everyone and just making sure that you know we're respecting each other and we're respecting our bodies and we're consentful when we're having sex by both parties or however many parties are involved in the sexual activity is so important so to summarize that basically um I would just emphasize the normalcy of sex. I would emphasize practicing safe sex. And um, I would emphasize consent and respecting your your sexual citizenship and your partner or partner's sexual citizenship. Respecting that. Excuse me. Respecting that as well. I think that you brought up a really good point, Natalia. Um, So I have a niece and one day I hope to be able to have this conversation with her and, um, you know, obviously her mother as well. And I think that a very important thing to also remember is that sex can also be a taboo with your sexual partners. So I think that it's important that before you even reach that stage where you are thinking about having sex, I think it's important that we teach younger children to know how to effectively communicate what they want and what they don't want. I think that's really important because when we talk about sex education in America, we talk about how not to get pregnant or get an STD, but nobody really talks about, you know, how to effectively communicate to your partner in, you know, like Dana has it put in a sexy way, what you want and what you don't want from this relationship or from the sexual experience. So I think that's something that's really important that I would like to put an emphasis on is 
knowing how to communicate um, effectively during and before and after sex, um, before you even reach that stage where you become physically physically like or no sexually active because I think it's important to know what you want and know what you don't want before going into a situation where you know you can potentially end up in an experience that you didn't want so in terms of reclaiming our sexual citizenship I think it should be very important that we know how to effectively communicate not only to um you know not only as educators to students but also as people and from students to students in terms of like um, their sexual experiences, like knowing what you want, knowing what you don't want and how to communicate that in a not like creepy way. Yeah. Um, I feel like honestly, it, it all can kind of boil down to boundaries and consent and teaching people how to like to feel empowered and feel that they have the capacity to set boundaries and like let people know I feel like in any aspect of their life but especially in sex um to be able to set those boundaries and be really firm in that and let people know who you're interacting with whether it's just in your everyday life with your family or in a sexual situation that you are allowed to make boundaries and not engage in things that you don't feel comfortable with And I feel like consent comes into that where you communicate this to your partner and they, they hear you, they're listening to what you're saying, and then they act on that and they only, or they are respectful of your boundaries and that your consent is only, I guess, viable in a situation where your boundaries are being respected. I think another important thing about that is um, really teaching what coercion can look like and really putting an emphasis on how coercion can lead to having an experience that you don't want. And, and, you know, this also ties into knowing how to communicate what you want in terms of being um, both being sexual citizenship, both individuals in a situation. So I think that um, coercion can be such a, um, how would I say it, like a sticky thing to talk about, really, because a lot of the times, um, especially younger people don't know that what they're doing is coercion. And, you know, going into a sexual experience, you should not want to, you should not want to have to be persuaded into a sexual experience. You should go into it knowing what you want and getting what you want out of it, not being um, persuaded into doing something. You know, so I think that also ties into um, consent and knowing boundaries before you get into a situation so that you aren't coerced into doing something and having an experience that you don't want. Yeah, honestly, coercion is, like Sasha said, coercion is such a, a sticky kind of topic. And I don't mean, we don't mean that in a in a bad way, giving it like a negative connotation. There's a very fine line between what is you know consensual what is something that you know parties are consenting to when it comes to sex and what is sexual coercion and I feel like that is definitely something that needs to be emphasized in um in sex education courses you know in conversations about sex and you know when you're you know engaging in when you're about to engage in a sexual act with um you know a person or persons and ultimately um 
you know, there are some things that, you know, going into college, I didn't even know about incursion. And because I had to complete a module, it was like a, um, I forget what it was called. My freshman year of college, I had to do a, um, like training online to learn about, um, like underage drinking and college drinking and sex and, and all that. And I, there was so much information about, you know, consent and sexual coercion that is just like not known and not taught to the general public. And it's so important because so many people are having sex and to have sex and not know what the, what coercion looks like or not know what proper consent looks like is very dangerous, not only for yourself, but for, you know, your partner or partners. And ultimately like, you know, even things as simple as, you know, saying yes to sex, even though you don't want to have, even though you don't want to say yes to sex is, you know, considered a type of sexual coercion because if someone keeps asking you repeatedly to have sex over and over again, even though you look un uncomfortable, even though you have said no before, that's considered sexual coercion. And I actually didn't know that. And that's, a, that's one of the simpler, you know, kind of ways that people coerce other people to have sex. But ultimately, you know, the education is extremely important to emphasize, you know, consent and, and coercion and, and give examples as to like what that looks like is imperative, you know, to to educate people who are going to have sex one day. I feel like that really encompasses the idea of sexual citizenship, um, that you are respecting someone else's capacity to say no and I feel like when we're talking about coercion that that is blatantly disrespecting somebody else's sexual citizenship and their right and entitlement to their own body and their own experiences and I think that's really important to talk about because it's not always like a hard no or like I don't know I feel like sometimes things happen and it's not seen as like potentially like a dangerous situation because if you're in a situation where somebody is actively trying to convince you and you're not really into it like that is a harmful situation and I feel like that um like is not talked about a lot 100 percent and even to incorporate this in in sex education it's so important and honestly it's Honestly, that completely just flew over my head. Thank you, Sasha and Dana, for bringing that up. How are we supposed to, how are people, how are individuals getting a proper sense of sex? And how can you say that you have properly taught someone, um, you know, sexual education without teaching them about consent and without teaching them about coercion? That is like insane to me. So I completely agree with you, Dana. I think that this really emphasizes the importance of recognizing our own sexual citizenship. And what Natalia said as well, you can't properly teach somebody about sex with just teaching them about, you know, how to prevent pregnancy and STDs and, you know, anatomy. It's sex is way more than that, as we all know. It's it's experience, it's pleasure, it's you know, pain, it's a lot of things that we don't get in these, you know, traditional sex ed classes. So I think in terms of, you know, reclaiming our sexual citizenship, we should always remember to respect each other's boundaries, but also respect each other's right to our experiences. 
to our sexual experiences and what we want to gain from that and just respecting each other and recognizing that right in each and every single person. So I just want to thank everybody for coming and tuning in and learning about sexual citizenship and how to really reclaim this um, since it's not traditionally something that's taught. So um, thanks so much to everybody for tuning in.